Bart Taylor, Vice President of Player Personnel. He schedules and he scouts all the prospects that the Jazz bring in for workouts. And he's on the podcast. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, Equal Housing Lender. 9-16-28. That's where they are right now. And you should leave this podcast going into the draft fully expecting craziness, madness to happen because that's what occurs. I thoroughly love this time. I I preface it by saying at the end of the day, you're going to convince yourself that whoever gets chosen is going to have a chance. It's why I say love the fit, good match of player and scheme. But realizing that three picks for the Jazz and being really plugged in to what's happening... There are so many possibilities for Thursday. The choose-your-own-adventure novel that you can make of the draft is exhaustive. The Jazz could and should trade up if they have one player in mind that can make a difference, that can do something. You're not drafting for need. You're drafting for best available talent, and you're trying to get talented people into that draft facility to play alongside your players. The top three seem set. Victor, Scoot, Brandon Miller. And then things get interesting at four. But that's just order. Portland could want to trade that pick. What are Dame's requests of that organization to get something done? Because they jumped into the top four, and what's best for their long-term future? If you're Dame, do you want to play with a young player? Or... Are you of that mindset that you need veterans alongside so that you're going to the playoffs? Because that roster right now is not built for it. So they're available. Five is reportedly available. Seven's available. Washington. It's going to be intense. And on top of all of it, the Jazz just announced their TV deal. They announced that they're going to do a draft party. They announced that they're going to do a draft stream. I will be a part of it. You'll be able to catch me. I'm doing some interviews with front office members. I did some with the players talking about their draft experience. It's supposed to complement the ESPN broadcast. But there's a lot happening. And this is a terrific time to be a Jazz fan. A fan of a team that is trying to get on the come up. Summer League's around the corner, so you'll be able to see the young players that you're going to be investing in, that you're going to watch on KJazz. This is a time to be the Jazz fan, and you have a golden opportunity to see the future unfold Thursday night. Five stars, nice reviews, that's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. Bart Taylor, Vice President of Player Personnel. He's our final interview before the draft. Happens on Thursday. You'll see Jay Billis on there. I'm sure you'll hear the reporting of Jeremy Wu, and you'll see Bobby Marks. But Bart Taylor is one of the people that puts in so much work to get to this point. Him, international scout Luca Desta, Chuck in the front office is doing tons of work on the college side. There's a whole team that brings it. And Bart Taylor is one of the guys who's leading the charge. You'll hear from him how you get better at watching prospects. It's a pretty simple answer. It's pretty intuitive how you get better. And you'll hear... 
One of my favorite stories about Will Hardy. They crossed paths really early on. So enjoy. I'll be back post-draft with the podcast right now. It's Bart Taylor, Vice President of Player Personnel, on the podcast on Round Ball Roundup. When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving and Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving and Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com. Normally, I don't start by looking at my phone for a podcast, but the greatest photo on the internet <laughs> is out there, and it's you playing for Trinity Hoops, and you have Chris Paul's <laughs> shorts on yeah. from the commercial. They're the longest shorts I've ever seen. Explain to me what's happening in this picture. Yeah, I th- I think they're actually rolled like twice as well. Like I, I remember when uh, they gave them to me, I I said these are largest, and they were like, yeah or maybe a medium. I was tiny. Um, and I remember they gave it to, I was like, I can't even put the ball between my legs. Like, how am I supposed to play a game in these? And they were like, that's all we got. Those are the smallest shorts they had. And I, I knew like, I, I knew those pictures would come back to haunt me at some point, but, uh, but I was, uh, I, I was still very proud of, of the look. I think, I think I pulled it off. Okay. Well, and that was the style of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it was. That was the style of the like early two thousands. For sure. The, not not the best look, though. The odds, the NBA draft photos from that time yep. are amazing of even Darren and Chris Paul at their draft day. Their, their shorts were yeah. way past their knees. Yeah. Um, if you get that information on a draft prospect, does that make them go up or down? Like for you, your scout. Well, yourself. I mean, we try to just stick on how they play on the court. And, and how I played would definitely move my stock down. But uh, no, they... Uh, we would definitely have to dig in a little deeper if we saw a picture of a guy like that, for sure. So explain to me your career at, at Trinity. At, yeah. You you played there for three years. What was the experience that you got there? Because obviously it led to a front office role and it led you to an internship out there with the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, I was very lucky. Um, you know, I, I played three years there. I had some, made some amazing friends, amazing like guys that we still, we still stick together. And uh, we actually have a fancy football league that's been going strong for like, 15, 16 years now that we try to get together once a year and uh, and catch up. And so it's it was a great experience for me to learn and grow and make, you know, lifelong friends, like I said. And uh, just to be able to play basketball and learn from the coaches there. And the way we played was a very free-flowing like free style. Um, we didn't have plays. We just had more concepts similar to like kind of the NBA now. And, uh, and then we, you know, and I think that really helped us kind of all learn the modern game in a way and uh and from that I got very lucky to be able to join the Spurs and start in the G League um with the Austin Toros at the time and um and then grow from there so I've been I've been very lucky explain to me what an intern does at that point because I bet it's a yeah. all-encompassing what you're doing yeah like the staffs were much smaller even like that was only 12 years ago and 13 years ago and they were, the staffs were much smaller and so 
I literally went from Trinity where I had no idea about professional basketball, even like D1, what went into everything. And I show up and actually uh, Stephen Schwartz, who works in our front office, was the other intern with me in Austin. And uh, he had been there already a year. So he's like kind of showing me the ropes of like, hey, we got to put together these water bottles. We got to get towels out. We got to put balls here. We got to do all this. And this is all like three hours before practice starts. And then during practice, all the like little things we had to do. And I just had no clue all the stuff that went into like just preparing the locker room for a game night, like getting the jerseys laid out, how you fold the towels. Like I had to have a whole lesson from the trainer on, hey, this is exactly how we fold the towels and we stack them this way. And just seeing all those little things that went into like a professional sport was was crazy for me to see and very eye opening. And, um, you know, it was it was amazing, like just learning all that stuff and being exposed to everything. So how similar is that structure to what you come in with the jazz? Because there's been a lot of discussion about how Utah modeled themselves after San Antonio. San Antonio models themselves after Utah. There's a lot of crossover there. Yeah, a lot of crossover. Um, obviously, even more now with Will coming here um, from his experience. And uh, it's, I think, like people say, like, we model each other. But I think Dennis and you know, myself and Justin, like everybody's kind of put their own spin on things as they've come here and learned. Um, definitely a lot of the core values are very similar. Um, but I think overall we want to be the Utah jazz. We want to like, you know, take the good things we learned from the past places that we've been, all of us, and then kind of put our own, um, mix on the, on the group, I guess, and make it better. And, um, you know, put our own influence into it, I guess is a better way to say it. And uh, we we definitely don't want to just be Spurs 2.0 or whatever. Like, right. And uh, I think we've done a good job of that. And I think Will, Justin, Danny in particular, like they've all brought their own, uh, you know, experiences to this group and the way they're leading it has been has been great. Like the the values, the what they really believe in as for players and the and the direction they've given me on going out and scouting players has uh has been really helpful and uh, it, it's been really really fun to like work with them and see what we can come up with. Sticking on the internship with San Antonio, you interned with Will Hardy. Yeah, we uh so I came in. He had been there a year in the front office, and then he moved to the video room. And so the Spurs had a setup where. They had one video intern and two front office interns, and they all shared an apartment. So it's actually myself, Will Hardy, and then Andy Birdsong, who works in Brooklyn um, as their assistant GM. And uh, so a pretty good intern house as it's turned out. Um, so, but Will was, uh, he was a great roommate. Um, he always kept the apartment nice and cold because um, we didn't have to pay the bills. So that was good. Um, but Will was, uh, yeah, he was, it was fun. It was a fun time. And it's pretty cool to see him now as the head coach and uh, knowing that, you know, all those years ago, we kind of started out on similar tracks. Aside from keeping the house cold, what what else is the roommate scout? Was he dirty? Was he a clean freak? What was he? No, Will's clean. Will's very clean. Yeah, yeah. He's very clean. Um, he's very on top of everything. Like uh, his car was always very clean. Mine's always very dirty. So I've, that stood out to me when I got in his cars a couple of times. I was like, man, I got it. Gotta get my act together. Like, so you could tell this guy could be an organizer. He know he's on top of his stuff. At even yeah, at that point. Yeah, yeah. No, he was. Yeah, no. I could like, in all seriousness, he was very impressive. Like, 
they would have him do player development stuff with um, with the young guys that would come up. So like if they had a 10 day or things like that and he they, they'd say, hey, well, why, why don't you take this guy in the summer or why don't you just work with him? And just his command, his voice, like I'd be on the court rebounding for him and just the way he spoke to the players and the confidence level he had even at that age of delivering the footwork or the the, the skill that he was teaching um, was impressive at, at even just such a young age of, man, this guy's in the video room as an intern and he's talking to, and I was just like, wow, he's talking to this guy like he's been coaching for 15 years type of deal. So um, I was pretty impressed just back then at how he he was able to command and, and deliver what he wanted to get across. So it coming full circle, how have you seen him now that he's a little bit older, a little bit wiser? Yeah, I think, I mean, the thing I see the most from him is uh, he has this competitive edge that I think people see on the sidelines. He, It definitely is, the team last year, for example, like really took on his competitive fire. Um, and I, I saw that even all the way back then, like I remember we would play like pickup you know, as interns, you know, the, everyone would leave for the day and at five o'clock or whatever, if people are around, we go out on court and play basketball, two on two, three on three or whatever. And I remember one time we, for a few times, we would just play one-on-one and Will was much better than me and he would beat me all the time. We'd play like best ass seven. And I remember one day though, I got crazy hot and I beat him like four games in a row, swept him like four out. And I didn't think much of it. And the next day Will comes, he's like, hey, like at two o'clock, Hey, four thirty or whenever you're done, we're playing again. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. So I go out there and he beats me like four nothing. I'm like, all right. So then the next day, hey, we're playing again. And so it was like two, three days in a row of him just mopping the floor with me, just to like prove that. And I was just like, all right. So then after that, once he got it out of his system, I was like, all right, can we just go back to like play like two on two or four on four or something like? So, he, but he had to like, he was. There's no way I should have beat him all those times, but I did. And he was just so like, and I saw just like this competitive fire of like, I can't like lose to this guy. And so he just had to cream me like four times in a row. Have you brought that up with him now that he's here? That I don't him? think I've ever talked to him about that ever okay. since. Yeah. Like, cause it, it, I just found it funny. Like for me, it was just like, Hey, I got lucky and beat you, but he it stuck with him for a couple of days. So I bet he's still thinking about it right now. I don't think so. I think he's very, very confident that he is a better basketball player than me. Were you wearing the shorts? No, that might've been, I might've needed the shorts. Okay. That might've been what I needed. Well, you know, next time so. make sure when you do it now, that you're uh, advanced age, wear the shirt. Yeah, exactly. Bring exactly. I could bring back the trend. Is it has it been long enough for the trend to come back? Like, isn't it every thirty so. years? I think so. The so. the aughts are coming back. They are already. Yeah. Cliff Paul has an entire campaign about it. <laughs> Cliff, Chris Paul, you know, they're both they're both of the baggy shorts. Well, I'll have to get them. I'll have to go. I'll be the only guy buying them. Bring them back. So, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender 
of the Utah Jacks. So how do you get into scouting as someone who was a front office intern to getting into the draft process? Yeah. Um, I think it's just natural for any front office person, honestly, like at least where I like being in San Antonio and being here, they've always, we've always given interns, you know, as I've moved up, we've always allowed interns to grow by, Hey, go to local games. So it's always just go to Utah, go to BYU, go to Utah state, UVU, um, Weber, like all the local things that are driving distance. And I remember when I was an intern, I was driving to all these games and driving through the snow. I remember there was one Utah State game, like I should not have been driving and I was going through the canyon and I'm like behind some truck and I'm just like, I'm going to die on this road trying to make this Utah State game. And I, later I was like, that was probably the dumbest thing I've ever done. Like all to just scout a game. But I think like when you're hungry and you want to learn, like you have to go to these games and you have to watch. And and then it's just learning from, you know, we had Walt Perrin, David Fredman that I learned from here, and then Justin, Dennis, obviously. Um, and you just try to learn from those people that have done it before. Um, take what they've, you know, the, the lessons they've learned from scouting players and what they value and try to see kind of how you maybe see it the same way and learn kind of what really goes into what makes an NBA player. Um, and so I, I've been very lucky to have those people teach me. And then I think it's just, you're just constantly trying to watch as much film as possible if you want to scout. If you want to do scouting, like you have to just watch film and watch these guys play. You have to go to games live and it's a lot of work, but you can't, it's hard to like not, like if you don't watch the players, how do you know them? And so you have to, you know, you just have to watch a lot of film. Really. There's no shortcut to it. Yeah. Yeah. We get asked a lot, like what are the tricks and what are the things and, there really is no shortcut. It's uh, it's just a lot of hard work, and then and then being you got to be humble to like when you talk to you know your colleagues and different things of well, what do you see? And maybe you know bouncing ideas off each other and not being so like rigid in your stance of no, this is what I see with this guy. It's it's you have to be open minded and willing to accept other people's opinions, and then trying to go and see what they're seeing as well. Because it's it's really not about like, hey, I have to be right on this pros- prospect. It's, hey, the group needs to be right on this guy. And so how do we make sure we're seeing this guy in the right light, in the right context, um, and that we're appropriately giving the coaches and Danny and Justin, you know, the right kind of context and um frame of reference for who we think this player is as a scouting staff because like you said people want to know what's the trick how do you how do you get better at evaluating talent and you think some people maybe they're more innate to it but it really is it comes down to watching players and getting better at just watching the game and understanding basketball as opposed to something clicking in your brain that oh this guy's gonna be a star yeah yeah exactly like i think Everybody hopes it clicks like that where you're watching somebody and, oh, this guy's going to be a star. But I think the the thing with scouting is like people always 
they want to be first to seeing somebody or be, they want to call somebody, Hey, I saw this guy like when he was 16 years old and I knew he'd be a star. And it's like, great. Like I saw him when he was 18 before he drafted, we drafted him and we still figured that out too. So I think like, it's not about being first to the prospect. It's just about like, like I said, like you just got to do the work and you got to study them and watch them, talk to people, learn who they are as players. Um, and as people really, because if the guy doesn't work hard, if he doesn't put in the time, if he's, you know, if there's all these things off the court that they do, um, that you have to learn about who they are, because those are the things that will help them continue to get better. Uh, at the end of the day, they're getting into a league that, you know, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of distractions, there's a lot of other things going on. And if they don't know how to like navigate all those other aspects to pro basketball, then the, the encore product's going to suffer too. So how many drafts does this make for you? Uh, this has been 12, 12 drafts. Draft. Yeah. And this is pretty unique because the Jazz have three first round picks yeah. as, of, as of this taping right now. What is the process that goes into having some picks in the lottery, late lottery, and then one uh, in the back end of the first round? Yeah, a lot of work. A lot of work. Our staff has been really grinding since the end of the season. We gave everybody about a week off, and then we jumped right into projects and studying, um, which is normal. Like, we normally do those type of things. It's just we have to do it three times as much. Um, like in a normal year, if we had one pick, like say we just had the pick at 16, we would still study the guys in the lottery and see, well, who do we want to move up for and what are trade options? Um, but until like a real trade develops or like something really materializes that we think, hey, we actually can get into this range, let's start really zeroing in on who we would do this for. Um, usually we just kind of have a general sense of those players and, you know, a gen you know, and we like them and we study them, but um, but we really hone in on, okay, who are the guys at 16 that we would want, the 12 to 18 guys that could possibly be there. And then we narrow it down, obviously, to get who we think we want the most. But with the three picks, it's been, hey, we have to study the whole top 40, basically, and we need to know them because we could use two picks to move up. We could use picks to move back. We could... Um, you know, it's like we can move out of the draft completely and then get back in in another way. So we've really had to narrow down who do we really like and who is in those, you know, that entire range of players. So we've been studying a lot of guys and I, I've been killing the staff on video and projects and discussions, but um, I think we've, we're in a great place right now to, to make these selections. I imagine generally it allows more people to be in the building that you're able to see because you have it at yeah. different levels. Yeah, I was every agent's favorite favorite guy. I was joking with all my colleagues that you know people always complain about how hard it is to get players in. And I was like, everyone's coming to us. So um, it was very easy for me. I, I told Justin he can uh, he can give the draft to somebody else next year when we potentially don't have a pick, and then I'll take back over in 2025 um, when we have three again. So it's easy. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun to talk to people. Like we really like you said, you're able to get a lot of these players in. And that's one of the fun parts of this process is getting to know these players and, you know, taking them to dinner, sitting with them in interviews and talking to them and really getting to learn who they are as people rather than just putting them through a workout on the court and studying them on film. Sounds a lot like speed dating. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. We try to be a little more 
try to give them a little more time than just the five minute clock, but you know, it's, you get to learn a lot about them. Um, uh, what are some goals that you want to see from uh, whoever's drafted for summer league and looking forward ahead with the players that you already have? I mean, obviously we want to win the summer league championship. That's the goal every summer. Absolutely. <laughs> want to rain? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the biggest thing is just having them come in and learn Will's system, learn, uh, will learn them like as well, like our coaching staff, learn who they are as players and people and where they can utilize them. Um, I think we just, I, I know every prospect wants to come in and just crush it and kill summer league and do a great job, but it's more just for us. It's more about them just getting settled, getting comfortable, um, making adjustments, learning the game and uh, learning our system and us learning them more than anything. And playing with them themselves. Yeah. 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 We always want to, yeah, we, I mean, that's what we tell guys all the time, like coming into pre-draft prospect, like process, whatever it is, we've studied them. We know who they are. We know what they can and can't do. And we understand that there's things that they want to do better and more in the future. And it's, we always just tell them like Will and his staff will have a plan for that. But right now, this is what you're good at. So just stick to this. And as you grow, we will grow you into those, you know, other things that you want to do. What are you feeling now until Thursday? Um, are you excited? Are you are you ready for it to already? Yes, happen? I'm. I'm definitely ready for it. We've put in a lot of work. I think uh, now is more. We're trying to just finalize the last couple things that we need to decide on. And uh, you know, I think. I'm excited for Thursday to see what happens. There's obviously tons of rumors and you hear tons of, um, you know, oh, this guy's going to fall, this guy's rising, things like that. And I'm just excited to see what's actually going to happen and see, and really this is the first draft we've had with Danny. So I'm excited to see how, how he navigates all of that and how he, uh, you know, the selections that he decides on for our group. Um, we obviously trust him and we're, I'm really excited to learn that aspect of him as well because um, that's something he's very good at. So I'm excited to see that. I was going to say, he has a pretty good track record yeah. in this uh, space, at yeah, least. Absolutely. It all becomes clear on Thursday as the Jazz are drafting at 9, 16, and 28. And we thank Bart Taylor, Vice President of Player Personnel, for coming on the podcast. No, no problem. Thanks for having me.